Welcome to the Ugly Truth. Step one, train the people only to consume. Step two, infiltrate adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate a problem made a lie. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control. This is called situational design they can't stop us cause we're ready to fight trying to brainwash us but we won't let freedom die the whole world's brainwashed everybody pick a team start a riot in the streets the whole world's brainwashed it's us against them and ain't you against me we're with you tom we will not back down this is the ugly truth Hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore. Whoa, what in the... Hold on a minute. What in tarnation have you come up with? (laughs) What is this? Russell Blaylock. Okay, first of all, before we get into who Russell Blaylock is, this is a breaking news report. Thank you to our great freedom fighter friend, Darren Dale. Yeah. Darren just sent us a link, and it comes directly from the National Institutes of Health website. That's the NIH.gov website. That's right. This is directly on this page. Published April 22nd. So this has been out for a while. April 22nd? That's a month ago. A month ago. Right. Russell Blaylock. Author information says that he's a retired neurosurgeon. So Russell Blaylock is a retired neurosurgeon, and they, they, meaning the National Institutes of Health, that's the government organization that Dr. Anthony Fauci is currently in charge of. This is on their website. Right. This is the NIH, basically the CDC's partner, Mm -hmm. and this is what Dr. Blaylock has written. This is coming from the government's website. The COVID-19 pandemic, he says, is one of the most manipulated infectious disease events in history, characterized by official lies in an unending stream led by government bureaucracies, medical associations, medical boards, the media, and international agencies. We have witnessed a long list of unprecedented intrusions into medical practice, including attacks on medical experts, destruction of medical careers among doctors refusing to participate in killing their patients, and a massive regimentation of healthcare led by non-qualified individuals with enormous wealth, power, and influence. Mm-hmm. For the first time in American history, a president... Governors, mayors, hospital administrators, and federal bureaucrats are determining medical treatments based not on accurately scientific based, based not on accurate scientifically based or even experience based information, but rather to force the acceptance of special forms of care and quote unquote prevention, including remdesivir, use of respirators, and ultimately a series of essentially untested messenger RNA vaccines. For the first time in history, medical treatment protocols are not being formulated based on the experience of the physicians treating the largest number of patients successfully, but rather individuals and bureaucracies that have never treated a single patient, (laughs) including Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, EcoHealth Alliance, the CDC, WHO, state 
public health officials and hospital administrators. We are so mad about this. This is right on the government's website. Right here, folks. The government is allowing the printing of the truth on their website. This may be unprecedented. You need to go there now. Diggingdeeper.us. Click on the articles. This will be in the articles. By the time we publish this, it's already on there. Go to the article section on diggingdeeper.us because it's there now. Read this whole thing directly from the government's website. The media, TV, newspapers, magazines, medical societies, state medical boards, and the owners of social media have appointed themselves to be the sole source of information concerning this so-called pandemic. Websites like ours have been removed, highly credentialized and experienced clinical doctors and scientific experts in the field of infectious diseases have been demonized, careers have been destroyed, and all dissenting information has been labeled misinformation and dangerous lies, even when sourced from top experts in the field of virology, infectious diseases, pulmonary critical care, and epidemiology. These blackouts of truth occur even when this information is backed by extensive scientific citations from some of the most qualified medical specialists in the world. Incredibly, even individuals such as Dr. Michael Yeadon, a retired ex-chief scientist and vice president for the science division of Pfizer Pharmaceutical Company in the UK, who charged the company with making an extremely dangerous vaccine, is ignored and demonized. Further, he, along with other highly qualified scientists, have stated that no one should take this vaccine. And Dr. Peter McCullough, who we cited so many times on our podcast here, Mm -hmm. one of the most cited experts in his field, who has successfully treated over 2,000 COVID patients by using a protocol of early treatment, which is so-called experts completely ignored, has been the victim of a particularly vicious assault by those benefiting financially from the vaccines. Mm -hmm. He's published his results in peer-reviewed journals reporting an 80% reduction in hospitalizations and a 75% reduction in deaths by using early treatment. Despite this, he's under an unrelenting series of attacks by the information controllers, none of which have treated a single patient. Mm -hmm. And Dr. McCullough is uh, pretty special to us. He's nearby. He's right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, or at least he was before they fired him from Baylor Hospital. Right. Right. Again, like he was saying, the hospitals. Neither Anthony Fauci, the CDC, WHO, nor any medical and government establishment has ever offered any early treatment other than Tylenol, hydration, and call an ambulance once you have difficulty breathing. This is unprecedented in the entire history of medical care as early treatment of infections is critical to saving lives and preventing severe complications. Not only have these medical organizations and federal lapdogs not even suggested early treatment, they attack anyone who attempts to initiate such treatment with all the weapons at their disposal. Loss of license, removal of hospital privileges, shaming, destruction of reputations, and even arrest. That's right. We've heard all the stories. They have absolutely demonized physicians who even dare to do the right thing. A good example of this outrage against freedom of speech and providing informed consent information is the recent suspension by the medical board in Maine of Dr. Merrill Nass's medical license and the ordering of her to undergo a psychiatric evaluation for prescribing 
ivermectin and sharing her expertise in this field. <sighs> now, hold on. Ivermectin, the award-winning human medication. Right. Okay. This guy says, I know Dr. Nass personally and can vouch for her integrity, brilliance, and dedication to truth. Her scientific credentials are impeccable. This behavior by a medical licensing board is reminiscent of the methodology of the Soviet KGB during the period when dissidents were incarcerated in psychiatric gulags to silence their dissent. It also sounds a lot like what happened prior to the implementation of the Nuremberg Code. Mm-hmm. Another unprecedented tactic is to remove dissenting doctors from their positions as journal editors, reviewers, and retracting of their scientific papers from journals, even after these papers have been in print. Ugh. Until this pandemic event, I have never seen so many journal papers being retracted. The vast majority promoting alternatives to official dogma, especially if the papers question vaccine safety. And on that note, we were canned from YouTube permanently mm -hmm. for saying that there was a resistance to the vaccines. Yeah, Just by no, saying that. Just a resistance. Just a resistance. Yeah. Normally, a submitted paper or study is reviewed by experts in the field called peer review. These reviews can be quite intense and nitpicking in detail, insisting that all errors within the paper be corrected before publication. So, unless fraud or some other major hidden problem is discovered after the paper is in print, the paper remains in the scientific literature. Mm -hmm. We are now witnessing a growing number of excellent scientific papers written by top experts in the field being retracted from major medical and scientific journals weeks, months, and even years after publication. A careful review indicates that in far too many instances, the authors dared question accepted dogma by the controllers of scientific publications, especially concerning the safety, alternative treatments, or efficacy of the vaccines. And now, of course, the efficacy has come out right on the CDC's website. Mm -hmm. They're saying you need to just treat this COVID thing like the flu. flu. These journals rely on extensive advertising by pharmaceutical companies for their revenue. Several instances have occurred where powerful pharmaceutical companies exerted their influence on owners of these journals to remove articles that in any way question these companies' products. <gasps> Worse still is the actual designing of medical articles for promoting drugs and pharmaceutical products that involve fake studies, so-called ghost-written articles. Bots. Really? Mm -hmm. Richard Horton is quoted by The Guardian as saying, journals have devolved into information laundering operations for the pharmaceutical industry. I'm not joking about this. There is actually, there are programs, there is AI that automatically generates stories. They, I was solicited to purchase it. Really? Yeah. They sent me an email. They want to know if I'd want that. So, so that's just, proven. Yeah. There are, there are actual AI programs that just write news stories just from whatever. Proven. Fraudulent ghost-written articles sponsored by pharmaceutical giants that have appeared regularly in top clinical journals, such as JAMA and New England Journal of Medicine, never to be removed despite proven scientific abuse and manipulation of data. Ugh. Every bit of this article is footnoted and sourced, by right? the way. Ghost-written articles involve using planning companies whose job it is to design articles containing manipulated data to support a pharmaceutical product and then have these articles accepted by high-impact clinical journals. That is, the journals most likely to affect clinical decisions-making of doctors. 
They supply doctors in clinical practice with free reprints of these manipulated articles. Mm. <laughs> Propaganda. Yep. The Guardian found 250 companies engaged in this ghostwriting business. I was just saying, 250. Yep. The final step in designing these articles for publication in the most prestigious journals is to recruit well-recognized medical experts from prestigious institutions to add their name to these articles. These recruited medical authors are either paid upon agreeing to add their name to these pre-written articles, or they do so for the prestige of having their name on an article in a prestigious medical journal. Oh, I am now published. Yep. For not doing anything. Of vital importance is the observation by experts in the field of medical publishing that nothing has been done to stop this abuse. Medical ethicists have lamented that because of this widespread practice, you can't trust anything. What That's have right. we been saying? That's right. We can't trust anybody anymore. We can't anymore. trust anything. While some journals insist on disclosure information, most doctors reading these articles ignore this information or excuse it. And several journals make disclosure more difficult by requiring the reader to find the disclosure statements at another location. Hmm. Many journals do not police such statements, and omissions by authors are common and without punishment. Wow. Virtually all the media is under the control of these pharmaceutical giants or mm. others who are benefiting from this pandemic. Mm, what is the one topic that you always see in the commercial breaks? Pharmaceuticals. You Almost every commercial break, you see some kind of pharmaceutical Advertisement. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. They're the number one advertiser. Yep. Their stories are all the same both in content and even wording. Orchestrated cover-ups occur daily and massive data exposing the lies being generated by these information controllers are hidden from the public. All data coming over the national media, TV, newspapers, and magazines, as well as the local news you watch every day, comes only from official sources, <laughs> most of which are lies, distortions, and completely manufactured out of whole cloth, all aimed to deceive the public. Television media receives the majority of its advertising budget from the international pharmaceutical companies. This creates an irresistible influence to report all concocted studies supporting their vaccines and other so-called treatments. In 2020 alone, the pharmaceutical industry spent $6.56 billion on such advertising. Pharma TV advertising amounted to $4.58 billion, an incredible 75% of their budget. Wow. That buys a lot of influence and control over the media. World-famous experts within all fields of infectious diseases are excluded from media exposure and from social media should they in any way deviate against the concocted lies and distortions by the makers of these vaccines. <laughs> That's why Fauci was up there all the time saying something every day because he was supporting them. Right. In addition, these pharmaceutical companies spend tens of millions of dollars on social media advertising with Pfizer leading the way, spending $55 million in 2020 alone. Wow. While these attacks on free speech are terrifying enough, even worse is the virtually universal control hospital administrators have exercised over the details of medical care in hospitals. These hirelings are now instructing doctors which treatment protocols they will adhere to and which treatments they will not use, no matter how harmful the approved treatments are or how beneficial the unapproved treatments are. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> oh. They have automated low-level workers to tell the doctors what to do. 
Never in the history of American medicine have hospital administrators dictated to its physicians how they will practice medicine and what medications they can use. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that and let that sink in. Please understand, never in the history of American medicine have hospital administrators dictated to its physicians how they will practice medicine and what medications they can use, period. The CDC has no authority to dictate to hospitals or doctors concerning medical treatments, yet most physicians complied without the slightest resistance, of course, under threat. Right, because otherwise they're going to lose their job, right? Their license, like, their money, their prestige, and possibly like their freedom. Like Dr. McCullough did. Yep. Yep. And Dr. Nass. Yep. Federal Care Act encouraged this human disaster by offering all U.S. hospitals up to $39,000 for each ICU patient they put on respirators. Despite the fact that early on, it was obvious that the respirators were the major cause of death among those unsuspecting, trusting patients. In addition, the hospitals received $12,000 for each patient that was admitted to the ICU, explaining, in my opinion and others, why all federal medical bureaucracies, i.e. CDC, FDA, NIAID, NIH, etc., did all in their power to prevent life-saving early treatments because they were getting money for the ICU patients. So early treatments aren't going to give you money for the ICU patients. They needed them in the ICU. Mm-hmm. Letting patients deteriorate to the point they needed hospitalization meant big money for all hospitals. A growing number of hospitals are in danger of bankruptcy, and many have closed their doors even before this pandemic. <laughs> this was a lifesaver. Oh, oh. For the hospitals. hospitals. Most of these hospitals are now owned by national or international corporations, including teaching hospitals mm. and undoubtedly invested in by Big Pharma. Right. It is also interesting to note that with the arrival of this pandemic, we have witnessed a surge in hospital corporate chains buying up a number of these financially at-risk hospitals. It has been noted that billions in federal COVID aid is being used by these hospital giants to acquire these financially endangered hospitals, further increasing the power of corporate medicine over physician independence. Physicians expelled from their hospitals are finding it difficult to find other hospital staffs to join since they too may be owned by the same corporate giant. As a result, vaccine mandate policies include far larger numbers of hospital employees. For example, Mayo Clinic fired 700 employees for exercising their right to refuse a dangerous, essentially untested experimental vaccine. (laughs) Mayo Clinic did this despite the fact that many of these employees worked during the worst part of the epidemic and are being fired when the Omicron variant is the dominant strain of the virus, which has the pathogenicity of a common cold for most, and the vaccines are ineffective in preventing this infection. Mm -hmm. What ludicrousy here. It it truly is. And and he's repeating everything we've said and everything that any of the doctors we've had on our program have said. Mm -hmm. And what John Rappaport said and Mm -hmm. what Mike Adams has said and what Dr. Love has said, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Cole, the -hmm. list goes on and on. Right. In reference to the vaccinated asymptomatic person, if the purpose of the vaccine mandate is to prevent viral spread among the hospital staff and patients then it is the vaccinated who present the greatest risk of transmission, not the unvaccinated. Mm. The difference is that a sick unvaccinated person would not go to work 
the asymptomatic vaccinated spreader will. <laughs> they didn't think through this. Mm-mm. What we do know is that major medical centers, such as the Mayo Clinic, receive tens of millions of dollars in NIH grants each year, as well as money from the pharmaceutical makers of these experimental vaccines. In my view, that is the real consideration driving these policies. If this could be proven in a court of law, the administrators making these mandates should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and sued by all injured parties. That's exactly what Stu Peters has been saying. Amen. Bring back the Nuremberg Code. Mm-hmm. This is all unprecedented in the history of medical care. Unprecedented, folks. Mm -hmm. That means never happened before and you're just sitting there and accepting it. Or jumping on the bandwagon. Mm. <clears throat> he continues, doctors within hospitals are responsible for the treatment of their individual patients and work directly with these patients and their families to initiate these treatments. Outside organizations such as the CDC have no authority to intervene in these treatments and to do so exposes the patient to grave errors by an organization that has never treated a single COVID-19 patient. Oh, you mean the CDC doesn't have hands-on they don't treat any patients. They None. just make viruses and kill things in a lab. Yep. When this pandemic started, hospitals were ordered by the CDC to follow a treatment protocol that resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of patients, most of whom would have recovered had proper treatments been allowed. Remember, nobody died at home. Th nobody died on the street. No homeless people died because of COVID. No. No, the treatment of COVID is what killed millions. Right. The majority of these deaths could have been prevented had doctors been allowed to use early treatment with such products such as ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and a number of other safe drugs and natural compounds. It has been estimated based on results by physicians treating the most COVID patients successfully that of the 800,000 people that we are told died from COVID, 640,000 of them could not only have been saved, but could have, in many cases, returned to their pre-infection health status had mandated early treatment with these proven methods been used. Ugh. This neglect of early treatment constitutes mass murder. Yes. That means 160,000 would have actually died, far less than the number dying at the hands of bureaucracies, medical associations, and medical boards that refuse to stand up for their patients. I even got blocked on Facebook for saying stand up for what you believe in. According to studies of early treatment of thousands of patients by brave, caring doctors, 75 to 80% of those deaths could have been prevented. Incredibly, these knowledgeable doctors were prevented from saving these COVID-19 infected people. It should be an embarrassment to the medical profession that so many doctors mindlessly followed the deadly protocols established by the controllers of medicine. One must also keep in mind that this event never satisfied the criteria for a pandemic. <laughs> Say that again? I asked that in March of 2020. We looked up the definition of a pandemic. Uh-huh. A disease outbreak in more than one country, basically. Right. That's basically how loose that definition is. Yes. The World Health Organization changed the criteria to make this a pandemic. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. Change the definition so it fits our... Agenda. Agenda. To qualify for a pandemic status, the virus must have a high mortality rate for the vast majority of people, which it didn't. With a 99.98% survival rate? Yeah, that was still the case, even when they were killing people. 
and it must have no known existing treatments. Which it also had. Which, exactly. Which this virus had. In fact, a growing number of very successful treatments listed above, including ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin B. The draconian measures established to contain this contrived pandemic have never been shown to be successful, such as masking the public, lockdowns, and social distancing. A number of carefully done studies during previous flu seasons demonstrated that masks of any kind had never prevented the spread of the virus among the public. Yeah, I'm just reflecting back to our mask burning in early June of 2020. (laughs) Or was it late May? I think it was May. Yeah. In fact, some very good studies suggested that the masks actually spread the virus by giving people a false sense of security and other factors, such as the observation that people were constantly breaking sterile technique by touching their mask, improper removal, and by leakage and infectious aerosols around the edges of the mask. In addition, masks were being disposed of in parking lots, walking trails, laid on tabletops in restaurants, and placed in pockets and purses. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or, or used to pick up dog poop. Remember that video? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they can. Masks can be useful for something. Within a few minutes of putting on the mask, a number of pathogenic bacteria can be cultured from the masks, Mm -hmm. putting the immune-suppressed person at a high risk of bacterial pneumonia and children at a higher risk of meningitis. (gasps) A study by researchers at the University of Florida cultured over 11 pathogenic bacteria from the inside of a mask worn by children in schools. It was also known that children were at essentially no risk of either getting sick from the virus or transmitting it. In addition, it was also known that wearing a mask for over four hours results in significant hypoxia, or low blood oxygen levels, and hypercapnia, high CO2 levels. Uh, That makes sense. Uh, duh. Uh, Right? Which have a number of... Deleterious effects? (laughs) Bad effects on health. (laughs) Including impairing the brain development of children. Mm. Ay, ay, ay. We have known that brain development continues long after the grade school years. A recent study found that children born during the pandemic had significantly lower IQs. Mm. Yet school boards, school principals, and other educational bureaucrats are obviously unconcerned. Mm-mm. Dumb us down to automate us as AI. Right, right, exactly. There's so much good information that Andy just came up with the idea that we need to separate these into separate podcasts and articles because there are some really deep topics here that we need to explore, especially why did Fauci not want autopsies. Autopsies are the number one thing that you do to discover the cause of death. Right. And it would be the number one thing that is covered up whenever there is something fishy going on. Instant cremation, no autopsy is ordered, period. If they really wanted people to get better from this pandemic, they would have researched what happened to these people who died of it and tried to figure out a way to stop it. There are a lot of good doctors who have. In fact, we have that on our Digging Deeper TV channel. We have a video of 12 autopsies of COVID patients. Mm-hmm. So check it out on diggingdeepertv.com. So in conclusion, we have quite a long conclusion here, but let's read through this conclusion for you so you can get the gist of this full article that is, again, right on the page of NIH. That's NIH, the National Institutes of Health. 
the government organization that Dr. Fauci himself controls. Hmm. I wonder how long it's going to stay there. And we'll go ahead and repost all of this information as well. So we'll it's still it. going to be available. Definitely, we'll save it. Mm-hmm. In conclusion here, Dr. Blaylock writes, We are living through one of the most drastic changes in our culture, economic system, as well as political system in our nation's history and the rest of the world. We have been told that we will never return to normal and that a great reset has been designated to create a new world order. This has all been outlined by Klaus Schwab. This is not a conspiracy theory that we made up. Mm -mm. Klaus is the head of the World Economic Forum. And in his book on the, quote, Great Reset, end of quote, this book gives a great deal of insight as to the thinking of the utopians who are proud to claim this pandemic crisis as their way to usher in a new world. This new world order has been on the drawing boards of the elite manipulators for over a century. He says in this paper, he concentrated on the devastating effects this has had on the medical care system in the United States, but also includes much of the Western world. In the past, he has discussed the slow erosion of traditional medical care in the U.S. and how this system has become increasingly bureaucratized and regimented. This process was rapidly accelerating, but the appearance of this, in his opinion, manufactured pandemic has transformed our healthcare system overnight. And I agree with him. We were told that the vaccine was 95% effective, only to learn that in fact, the vaccines cause a progressive erosion of innate immunity. Upon release of the vaccines, women were told the vaccines were safe during all states of pregnancy, only to find out no studies had been done on safety during pregnancy during the safety test prior to release of the emergency use vaccine. Mm. We were told that careful testing on volunteers before the EUA approval for public use demonstrated extreme safety of the vaccines, only to learn that these unfortunate subjects were not followed. Mm -hmm. Medical complications caused by the vaccines were not paid for, and the media covered this all up. Yep. We also learned that the pharmaceutical makers of the vaccine were told by the FDA that further animal testing was unnecessary. <laughs> the general public would be the guinea pigs. Incredibly, we were told that the Pfizer's new mRNA vaccine had been approved by the FDA, which was a clever deception in that another vaccine had approval called Comirnaty, not the one being used mm -hmm. by BioNTech. Classic bait and switch. Yep. Is it time for Nuremberg Trial 2.0, mm -hmm. our podcast, the classic bait and switch. The approved community vaccine was not available in the United States. The nation, the national media told the public that the Pfizer vaccine had been approved and was no longer classed as experimental, a blatant lie. Mm -hmm. This deadly lie continues. It is time to stop this insanity and bring these people to justice. Yes. This is directed to the very head of the organization on which this web page sits. Yes. Dr. Fauci, this one's for you. Yep. Thank you, Darren Dale. Thank you for this article. For Dr. Blaylock. And thank you, Dr. Blaylock. Yep. Yep. And he has several citations in there as well. 
I think, 71 or 72 citations. Yeah. I think was the highest number I saw. So he's and, got lots of them in there. And, of course, you must know that there is a disclaimer on the NIH's website that says the views and opinions expressed in this article are of those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the journal or its management, <laughs> which was indicated in the article. Right. We know. We know because they were talking against it. He was talking against them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now you know the rest <sighs> of the story. Wow. Good day. And thank you for listening to The Ugly Truth because they can't stop us because we're ready to fight trying to brainwash us but we won't let freedom die the whole world's brainwashed everybody pick a team start a riot in the streets the whole world's brainwashed us against them and then you against me the ugly truth hard to listen to but impossible to ignore <laughs>